And my friend, listen, you say, well, I've never done that. How do I know it's going to work? It's going to work. You have to start. And one of the things you have to get over is the fact God doesn't care. I'm not important. I'm not worth anything. Oh, yes, you are. You're worth so much he gave his only begotten son for you. The issue is, are you willing to make those alone times, those lonely times, make an appointment with the Father where when that, when, listen, and if you ever suffered loneliness, you can see it coming down the track. You can feel it coming. So you can just decide that you're going to have pain and you're going to have a fit and you just, things are just going to be better. You can say, Lord, I want to make an appointment. I see what's coming down the track. I just want to thank you that I can spend time loving you listening to you, learning from you, and being drawn into a relationship with you that nothing else in the world and no one else in the world will ever be able to match what will happen in my life. That's exactly what he's saying. Likewise, you can view loneliness as an expression of God's goodness. Well, you say, well, how can that be good? Let me ask you a question. Is God in the process of giving you things that are not good for you from his perspective? It may not be good in your perspective and mine. A lot of things I don't think are good. But you know what? When I read Romans 8, 28, I believe no matter what it is, it's good because God intends to turn it to good. That is, he will turn your loneliness into something good. Listen, if he draws you and he will draw you into his, in a relationship to himself so deep and so profound, you wouldn't swap it for anything under God's heaven. And you're going to realize that loneliness turned into, listen, solitude, it's not just good, it's absolutely indescribably fulfilling and contenting and wonderful. Likewise, view it as a time of spiritual schooling. God, what do you want to teach me? You see, he's always taking advantage of teaching us anything he possibly can. And when we're quiet and listening, alone, being quiet and realizing that God has something to say to us, you say, well now, I, I, okay, so all that's true. How do I get started? Well, let me just say two or three things. Number one, you have to make a decision. It isn't going to happen automatically. Number two, the decision must move into the form of a commitment. I'm committed. When these feelings of loneliness hit me, I recognize I have an appointment with the Father. He's getting ready to express something good to me. I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to love him. I'm going to learn something from him. And so you recognize it for what it is. It is a time of fellowship with him. Now listen carefully. The biggest price in learning solitude is separation. You may have to separate yourself from some people who want you at this time, that or the other. You may have to separate yourself from some things that have absolutely grasped your attention and captured you. You have to decide what's the most important thing in your life. And solitude, time that you and I spend alone with him, has no equal in importance or effect, both mentally, emotionally, and physically on the human body, the mind and the emotions. God desires that you and I live with a sense of contentment right in the middle of the fire. He decides that you and I live with a sense of assurance and confidence and quietness on the inside, right in the midst of the tribulation. Is he adequate? Yes, he is. Can he deal with the pain of your loneliness? Oh, yes, he can. He can give you a sense of his presence. Listen, you can walk through the same apartment, 
to the same house, small and large, and no longer feel any aloneness whatsoever. Why? Because you have secured in your relationship to him a wonderful sense of his presence that is undisturbed by being alone and undisturbed by the frets and the cares and the clamor and the noise of the world. It is yours for the asking and for the willingness to pay the price. And Father, how grateful we are that we do not have to live like the rest of the world while we can be very busy doing what you've called us to do. We can do so with a sense of confidence and assurance and quietness on the inside. And knowing that you have everything in your control, even if we step out in those brief moments of our own naturalness, you're quick to remind us that we have you and what else do we need? For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. When we get God's perspective, our times of pain and hurt can launch us into deeper intimacy with Him and spur us on to greater spiritual growth. Remember the lesson from Dr. Stanley's message. Practicing the discipline of solitude can change your view of everything. To listen again, click today on radio at intouch.org. And that's where you'll find more information about the purpose of prayer. If you go to the bookstore page, you can order a copy of Dr. Stanley's complete message, The Power of Solitude. Again, you'll find these resources at intouch.org or call 1-800-IN-TOUCH. To write to us, address your letter to In Touch, Post Office Box 7900, Atlanta, Georgia, 30357. Do you have electronic devices that keep you connected with the world? How do they impact your relationship with God? Today's Moment with Charles Stanley is just ahead. The Christian life is an exciting journey with great joys and challenges. We don't always know the right questions to ask or the best way to approach Scripture in search of answers. Dr. Stanley's Handbook for Christian Living is an easy-to-use help system that will bring Scripture to life so you can see God moving powerfully in your life. To order, call 1-800-IN-TOUCH or go to intouch.org slash store. In our spiritual journey, we often have questions. How do I know God's will for my life? Does God hear my prayers? Why do bad things happen? The answers are found in the Word of God, but how do we know where to start? The free In Touch devotional can help point you in the right direction with biblically-based content from Dr. Charles Stanley. You'll gain insight and wisdom through daily devotions, Bible studies, and more. The In Touch devotional, delivered monthly to your mailbox. Subscribe for free at intouch.org daily. You're listening to In Touch. A believer who's very connected with the world might be disconnected from God. Here's a moment with Charles Stanley. When you're being quiet and the telephone rings, you don't have to answer it. There are many, many people who live by that. And today, you think about this, you're no longer disconnected with the world today. People with phones on their side, laptops, I mean, we're connected with the world. Anybody who's got a fax machine, a computer, or a cell phone, you know what? You're not disconnected. You are connected. Why did you buy all that stuff? 
because you wanted to be connected, let me ask you a question. Is somebody on your cell phone, somebody on your computer, some message on your fax machine nearly as important as the message God has from you personally? No. No. But we act like it. No matter what's going on, eating at dinner, you give me in a nice restaurant, people pull these things out. Oh, hello, how you doing? Break up the conversation, disturb the conversation. When the telephone rings and you and the Lord are together, forget it. God knows who called you, and you know what? He wants them to call you back, they call you later. <laughs> what I'm saying is this. Don't let anything disturb your relationship to Him. Focusing on the Lord takes discipline. Find help staying connected to Jesus at intouch.org. And if you have a story about how God's grace has touched you through this program, we'd love to hear it. Tomorrow on In Touch, if we expect to live by faith, we need to be confident and comfortable bringing our needs and desires to God. Hear about some key requirements for answered prayer when you join us Friday for In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. This program is a presentation of In Touch Ministries, Atlanta, Georgia, and remains on this station through the grace of God and your faithful prayers and gifts. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. With the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Among the unexpected stories of 2023 was a renewed interest in all things extraterrestrial, from images of alien corpses to retired high-ranking military officials claiming secret government programs to capture UFOs to a strange encounter with Las Vegas police officers. The public interest in whether or not there's anything out there is as high as ever. But would the existence of alien life disprove Christianity, as some claim? Well, that's the question that's tackled in a brand new video. It's part of the What Would You Say series. It's called Would the Discovery of Alien Life Disprove Christianity? Many people assume that if any evidence were to be discovered for extraterrestrial life, it would be devastating to the Christian worldview. However, according to my colleague Shane Morris, that's not necessarily the case. In fact, according to Shane, quote, there's nothing in the Christian view of the world that excludes the possibility that God created life on other planets. In this new video, Shane offers three things to keep in mind. First, that despite the hype of science fiction and decades of searching, there's currently no evidence for life on other planets. Here's Shane. After decades of looking and listening and exploring the heavens for that life, we've come up empty-handed. So much so, in fact, that physicists and astronomers have named the emptiness the Fermi Paradox, which refers to the discrepancy between the lack of conclusive evidence of advanced extraterrestrial life and the apparently high likelihood of its existence. In other words, if life happens easily, where is everybody? Ward and his co-author Donald Brownlee argue in Rare Earth that life doesn't happen that easily, and assuming that it does is the real mistake. At least a dozen special conditions found on our planet are probably necessary for the existence of intelligent life, including a precise orbital distance from our star, heavy elements, liquid water, a moon, a magnetic field, not too much gravity, a nearby gas giant, and having a star like our sun, which, as it turns out, is anything but ordinary. Jane's second point is that even if intelligent life were found elsewhere in the universe, it wouldn't necessarily present a problem for Christianity. Again, here's Shane. 
Before Star Trek or Star Wars existed, C.S. Lewis wrote his Space Trilogy. In it, he famously imagined alien races that never fell into sin. And in a few essays, Lewis wrestled with whether the existence of real-life extraterrestrials would threaten Christianity. According to Lewis, the Bible never says God created the vast cosmos only for humans. For Lewis, intelligent aliens created and loved by God pose no problem, nor would they contradict the Bible. In the same essay, he cautioned that the Bible was not intended to satisfy our curiosity about such things, but as an instruction manual for salvation. He also warned that humans are in no position to tell God what he can and cannot do with his vast universe. That was Shane Morris providing an answer to the question, what would the discovery of extraterrestrial life mean for Christianity? It's the latest video in the What Would You Say video series. To see the whole video and share it with others, as well as see the other videos in the series, go to whatwouldyousay.org. That's whatwouldyousay.org. Or go to YouTube and look up the What Would You Say channel. Be sure to subscribe to be notified each time a new video is released, which is about every other week. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Shane Morris. And for more resources to live like a Christian today, go to breakpoint.org.